So we don't do intros anymore, right, Peter? We just, you, roll right, we just roll right into them? Yeah. Well, we're really excited to have you here, Steven. Uh, you're not Steven, you're Steve, right? Yeah, either way. My mom calls, my mom calls me Steven, Weston calls me Steven, everyone else calls me Steven. Yeah, I got to call you Steven because Weston <laughs> and mom, those are the two, you know, Weston's one of your biggest mentors, former CEO of Dental Intel, kind of hashtag big deal. You're going to be Steven from now on. So really good to have you here on the podcast. We're um, obviously big fans of um, dental intelligence, but now that the company has become more robust by acquiring uh, Modentum and local med, right? Local med. It's a real force to be reckoned with because everybody I've ever talked to about Modento absolutely loves it. Mm -hmm. So tell me what's exciting in the world of software, dental software. What's the most urgent thing that you have to tell our listeners about? Yeah, cool. I think, I think I'll start here kind of to set the stage. So when you look at the industry, there are a handful of us companies uh, that are coming at the same problem in dentistry. And the problem that I want to highlight is that software is very fragmented, meaning practices have to log into a bunch of different software programs to run their business. You've got an engagement tool that does text messaging and appointment reminders. You have a different online scheduling tool, you know, your practice management software. You've got a bunch of different stuff, right? And this has been, you know, Weston and the new leadership's vision for a long time is, hey, can we help to consolidate some of that market? So the same thing you guys are seeing with, you know, DSOs trying to consolidate some practices. In, in some ways, we're trying to do with software. There yeah, are with all the plugins we have, they all have to talk to each other. It's such a pain in the ass. Yes, right. There, there are cost efficiencies, right? Ideally, with some consolidation, we can offer software programs for, you know, less money. Then there are also like practical, more efficient things when it comes to like operations. Like they talk to each other. They work well together. Um, one of those uh, examples being, oh, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, no, sorry. I didn't mean, I thought you were done. But yes, it's, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because... As I kind of look at software in my practice, you're right. It was a lot of like duct tape things, meaning I had this service that allows us to text and this service that allows us to kind of yeah, for review this. generation. <laughs> and it was just, you're right. It was so hyper. It was clunky. It was hyper fragmented. You know, it's I love when too. business owners look at something that... and they say, this is the problem I'm going to solve, right? Yeah. Like, and I, you can almost spin that in reverse when someone brings something to you. What problem is this solving? And so like, you guys took that and said, like, the problem is it's, it's, it's clunky mm-hmm. to your point about inefficiencies with money the most important inefficiency that it's solving is of time because yeah. at the front office at the admin the front office the business team their time is the most most precious because people are calling and, and trying to pull it away so the more efficient you make that the more efficient it makes the practice so i love this love what you guys have solved yeah now uh, in the big picture uh, i don't know if the audience knows but software is not as easy to make as you would think like Four years ago, I heard Weston talk about this. And now four years later, I'm like, I want to be moving so much faster, right? There's some things where I, I just can see it, but it just hasn't been created yet. So what we've done then, where we started as a company, Dental Intel, we think we started in the right place. Uh, we started with data and analytics. And so that's what we're known for, like automating reporting, getting insight into the practice, you know, kind of like the, the speedometer of the practice or your dashboard of the practice, right? Like what's going on? Where are we doing well? Where do we need to improve? And then the problem with providing data, though, just data, is that unless you take action on the data, it's honestly pointless, right? Like, like why you can look at numbers, so you're blue in the face, but unless you like take some meaningful movement because of it, then, then why even look at it? And so we noticed that practices, uh, some practices were doing that, right? They were getting dental intel, they're looking at data, and then they weren't changing anything. And so we wanted to make it as easy as possible for them to actually take action on the data. Simple example, right, is we have, a, we have a solution called Patient Finder. You can go in and say, hey, I want to see all my patients who have unscheduled treatment. 
uh, of, let's say you just want to look for the ones you've diagnosed with Crown, who have insurance remaining of a thousand bucks or more, and have said yes to some treatment in the past, right? So like those, that's like a pretty like great group of people to talk to and try to get them scheduled. Um, practices in the past had to like piecemeal how they were going to contact them, right? So they had to like export that list, upload it into like Revenue Well or Solution Reach or whatever they were using, right? And then start engaging them there. And we realized, hey, those should all work together. You should be able to find those people, save the list, yep, immediately begin, begin, push a button and start like communicating with them, whether it's text message, email, send them a scheduling link. And so now at this point as a company, we're to that point, right? So we acquired Locomed, which does the online scheduling. We acquired Modento, which does all of the two-way text message communication. When were those dates? What were the dates of those two acquisitions? Yeah, good. So uh, just curious. Local, local Med was the summer of 2019 is when we acquired okay. them. Yeah. Um, you know, so we were like eight, nine months into the acquisition before COVID hit. And uh, right when COVID hit is when we fast-tracked getting bulk messaging sent out through Patient Finder so that people could get hygiene patients scheduled back in when like the schedules fell apart. And then we acquired Modento in uh, late January, early February of um, 2021. So we're just about a year and a half into that acquisition. So now all these softwares are bundled or you still a la carte them to the dental profession? So you can still a la carte them, right? So you can still buy all three separately. But if you go to our website, we just did a rebrand. So you'll see that everything is now under the dental intelligence brand. We have our analytics piece and we have our engagement piece. And we've taken all the pieces of all these solutions and bundled them into those two. Got it. The idea being, the idea being on one side of things, you want to have a view where you can kind of get a pulse on the practice. And then the other view that you want to see is how do we actually engage these people? Oh, cool. Peter, you're going to pull that up and so you can share that. Cool. So the audience can see. Yeah. So if you just hover over products. All right. Yeah. So. Then you'll oh, wow. see that we've got them. Yeah. Lumped into those two now. And kiosk is a, what is that? A check-in portal? Yeah. Check-in, right? So, so check-in patients can check in there at the practice. You can do, um, yeah, without and that a updates into involved. like the major practice management softwares. Yep, it does. I didn't know that. Yeah, and there's Click also on a that kiosk for me. I want to see what that looks like. Yeah, great. Yeah, let's let's connect after. We also have a solution in there called the uh, Live Ops, where you can see you can digitally manage the location. Oh, that's co- that's from Modento, right? Modento this is, has that yep, software. This is from yeah. Modento. Yep. Got it. Got yeah. it. What is it? Live ops? So you can actually see yeah. where your patients are and what ops live. So oh, let's say yeah. a patient moves in the middle of treatment or something like that, like live or re- arrived. If you swap, swap, swap them around, you can see exactly where everybody is. Yep. That's very cool. Very well, that's cool. awesome. So the Do kiosk- you guys ever see yourself getting into the, the PMS space at all? Jeez, I well, wish. See, so I, was, I was actually going to bring that up. So, so coming back to this whole you know, consolidation of software platforms, on one end, and this is not the end we are currently on, on one end, you'll see there are some, some small upcoming practice management solutions that are cloud-based that are trying to consolidate everything all in one right out of the gates, right? Um, so that the big players, you know, you see Fuse and, and Ascend, they're kind of trying to do the same thing with products they're either partnered with or they acquired on like the Shine side of things. And then you see like, you know, Curve, um, uh, Oryx, is a new one that I've been seeing pop up lately. Uh, Denticon, right? They're trying to they're trying to bring everything all in one. Yes, but they're starting with practice management software, and they're kind of boxing out these third party integrations. Where we're starting, we're we're starting from a third party integration standpoint, which I think in the long run is the best place to be, and, and I'll explain why. Right. So 
Um, we believe that by being a third-party integration company, we can be far more nimble with our innovation than if we're managing, trying to do literally everything, including practice management software, right? So think about Eaglesoft, Dentrix, OpenNL. The, they kind of started, at least Henry Schein did, they started trying to like come at this whole, like, we're going to do everything. Um, but their products that do everything have lagged, right? Like their, their page communication isn't nearly as good as everyone else's. Uh, when you stay kind of smaller as that third-party integrator, like I said, you can just observe the market quicker. You can make quicker movement towards innovation and then disrupt some of the, you know, the big incumbents. So we'll see if that plays out in the long run. We're feeling pretty good now, you know, in terms of company growth, it's all, it's all working really well. Um, but there are some people that are trying to come at it from, Hey, we're going to do the practice management software and everything. And um, growth numbers on those solutions have been pretty slow, slower than expected. Uh, but you never know, Peter, right? We'll see like, hey, the tides could change. And if they begin to change, then maybe we jump into that space. But as of right now, we don't have intention. I mean, it looks like, like your product software. offering. That's the only thing that you're not offering yeah, in the ecosystem. Right. Yeah, exactly. we just need to starting, right? Frankly, it's the, harder, it's the harder parts. All these, you know, yeah. really advanced products, pr- practice management software is just the, how much innovation do you really need if you have all these tertiary products on them? Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, what do you really and, need? And you, need people... you need a chart and an accounting software. And if you can hook it into your <laughs> place to put your notes, right? Exactly. But if you right. if you have your patient financing, imagine like coming out of the treatment planner, clicking on that button, or coming out of the treatment planner and sending the reminders. I mean, it just seems like such a no brainer. What are we missing? Right. Why is PMS software that tricky or compliant? What's the deal with it? Yeah, you know, and then there's other elements too with with data storage, and then. Uh, a big one is integration with your imaging software, right? That one's mm-hmm. far more complicated than I, I think most people would imagine. Yes, yeah, that's true. So some of those newer practice management solutions do have some like pain points and struggles there where like you can't use the imaging solution you were using before, right? And so yeah. so some of that stuff becomes pretty Is Open Dental still like the leader, Peter or or Steven, as as you know it to be in the in the oh, in the cloud-based practice management software sector? Because yeah, that's what I that's what I used to hear. Are they still the number or one curve? Curve. curve I would, I would, I would put them. And Open Dental, just to qualify, they are on the on-premise server-based solutions. So they do have right. a cloud one they're working on. Um, so they've been like the leader in terms of like practice growth, percentage of practice growth on the on-prem stuff for sure for the last handful of years. Um, and right now, man, it's 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 difficult to know who the leader is with cloud-based. They're all very hesitant to share numbers. And as you guys know, most everyone's public numbers are all bloated, right? So they'll say, hey, we've got like 3,000 locations or 5,000 locations. And maybe more realistically, it's more like, I don't know, smaller than that. Got it. <laughs> They're going to do everything they can to, to, to you know, forward those numbers round up. So Steve, you guys obviously being, you know, the, the genesis of the company was an analytics company, like you said, yeah. and we've actually used some of those in our, in our field menu, if we do for a summit, I know you guys put out a big PDF report. So data is still your jam. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people are interested on, you know, what that data tells us. I love where you, how you said data is nothing unless the rubber can meet the road, right? Where do you yeah. execute on that? Mm-hmm. And I think so, so many times we get enthralled by look at this chart and look at this graph and look at this data and, and you get, you get wooed by the data, but until you know, like what lever to pull it doesn't do anything. And sometimes that yeah. analysis causes paralysis. So can you kind of find something? I know in the past we've done like, you know, for instance, when we had Weston on in the past, we talked about like the biggest metric to kind of move your practice thing that you're going to look at, if nothing else is look at your reappointment rates. Mm-hmm. Right. So given that you kind of live and breathe in data, is there something now that, you know, and, and as you get more data, you get more intelligent 
with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with the process, right? I mean, um, meaning the more data you get, the more you can, can confidently stay, say, Stephen, that yeah. here's what we think happens. We've seen it over and over again in these practices. So do you have any like groundbreaking stuff to tell our, our industry or those people listening that like, here's the things that you should be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start. I mean, the, the same stuff we've talked about in the past all stands like yeah, the, I figured. the number one metric that's correlated with practice success is hygiene reappointment. Like that just is what it is. It hasn't um, changed to what degree, just changed. out of curiosity, like, Which, is, and, there, is it, is there not even a close second? And, and, and the close second would be your case acceptance as a doctor Okay. Um, all right. or provider, I should say, cause it could be the hygienist as well. Okay. But the, the, the hygiene one, once again, is just because of patient retention, but this yep. is worth all, all like, share some interesting insight I think that's worth like noting on some shifts in the marketplace that we're seeing so there was a Wall Street Journal article that was that was posted this last week um, that suggested that spending in dental was down 11.3 percent interesting that's over what period of time say what yeah Yeah, year, year over year starting in 2020 so in comparison right now in comparison to 2020 when we were in the middle of pandemic they're suggesting that spending is down now here's what's fascinating Hmm is that I'm not necessarily seeing in just the general performance of our practices that they're down by 11%. Like that's not happening with performance. So then it begs the question, like what, where, where is that coming from? Right. Well, so, it could have been the shutdown too. So it's the at statistical average of being shut down for, you know, between two and seven months, depending on where you are. Yeah. So here's something that is fascinating. So we've been tracking as you guys know, but I'll share with the audience we segment our, 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 our customer base and the ones we're seeing. So we're thinking with about 10,000 practices right now. Um, we have about 8,600 like active customers and we've got, you know, just over a thousand or so of these like lingering syncs that we're doing where people have been like, just sync with me, but I'm not buying anything. Um, so about 10,000 is our, is our pool. We segment that into the top 10% of, pra- of practices, our average practices and our bottom 10%. Like those are the groups that we're looking at. Um, when the pandemic hit, after we went through that first, it was really more like what, nine months. So like from March 15th through the end, uh, at the end of that year, at the end of 2020, we analyzed what performance looked like. And what was interesting was that the top 10% of practices actually outperformed their previous year. So in 2020, the top 10% in, in general did better than they did in 2019. So they were even, they were able to see growth, even with that little shutdown that happened, uh, in March and April. Jeez. The well, some of that, practice, though, including PPP money, you think? Um, no, because this would have just been from production numbers we're seeing inside oh, okay. the practice management yeah. software, that's right. right? Wow, so, that's big. So this yeah. isn't. This is. We're not looking at like EBITDA or like their their like actual revenue numbers, right? We're, we're looking, looking at actually at tied to the to treatment. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah okay. Right? That's so whatever's going into the practice management software. Did you boil it practice, down by state too? By the way, did you have state information? In I there? didn't break it down in a state. I could go. I could go track some. That'd of that be down, so no. cool to see how like the like what states because it really shows you like hey you're not just practicing in your region. Your state matters. I mean let's let's face the facts. Well, if you sure. were in Florida, you were or George, you were mandated to shut down. What eight weeks? Yeah, California, New York yeah. could have been uh, twenty weeks. I don't even know. I mean, what were they? What was the shutdowns in, in New York? That I matters. mean, there's lots of a long time, right? So I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that matters, right? But what's interesting though is that on the bottom 10%, they did worse than they had ever done in their entire history. It's right? so so not even just like 2019, but it was like the worst year. And, and we we in general are keeping about five years of data, depending on how long they've got it in their practice management software. And it was like the worst year that they had seen. So there became 
this like chasm in performance between like the best practices and the worst practice in the nation. And so you so saw the top, let me make sure I'm understanding this. Oh, the top 10% that you had in your data set did better. The they bottom 2020 than 20 years of your data set, the bottom 10 did worse than they've ever correct. done. Than they've ever done. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. correct. Right. Isn't so that wild? So what's interesting then psychology. is psychology. Yeah, so we started, and I actually agree with that, right? Like people's mentality coming into a situation like that, I'm sure had a big impact on how they responded to that, how they actually performed. Um, so it wasn't impossible to do well still through that period. So the reason why I was bringing this up, Peter brought up um, hygiene reappointment, like a number one metric for success. So here's one thing that's interesting. So we were like, okay, so what were some of these metrics that really defined the, the solid practices from the ones that struggled worse than they ever had, right? So one of those was patient-based growth or the lack thereof, right? Or, or attrition, right? Them losing patients. So in 2019, top 10% of practices were increasing their patient base by about 14%, okay? What's interesting is that in 2020 and in 2021, we saw about the exact same number. Patient base grew by 18% in the top 10% of practices. So they were, they're seeing increased growth over the last two years in comparison to what we were seeing in the past, right? So they're growing more. So they're picking up patients from somewhere. And I can guess where they're probably picking up the patients from uh, based off of what we're seeing on the bottom end, okay? So on the bottom end, in 2019, the worst practices shrunk by about 7%. But in 2020 and this last year, they shrunk by 12%, right? Wow. So you take, yeah. it seems on the surface at least, that all the patients that these bottom practices are losing are migrating over to these top practices, right? The number is like almost identical on the bottom. The, inc the increase in loss on the bottom and the increase in growth on the top is almost identical. This is like Pareto's principle, because I'm sure you're about to say that the 80% really kind of did as you had expected, right? So there's the 10% yep. on the top, 10% at the bottom, which is an 80, you know, 10%, 10% right. equals 20. Pareto's principle is 80, 20. There's massive change in that. Um, I'm guessing, am I right to extrapolate the fact that 80% that did just as you kind of expected? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So, so here's, where, here's where that becomes interesting. So I'll just like hone in on this whole like patient retention thing right? Like that, that becomes such a key moment in the practice. Mm -hmm. Craig, I, I agree with, you know, some of what you said about mindset. Like I'm a big believer that our energy, you know, we, we can change it, but the energy you put out comes back to you, right? So if we have a practice that's like all concerned, the world's going to crap, they're not sure what they're going to do with their business. Like patients are naturally going to sense that you're not going to behave as well, you know, like 100%. your team's going to have, you know, I'm a big fan. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but uh, one of my mentors taught me this where like, there are people that live this world, like they hold on to money or opportunity with like a closed fist, like they hold on to it so tight, that they're very restricted. Where in reality, if you start to live your life and live as if like, there's open, open hands, like there's so much opportunity, like a flow of it. energy, you know, like kind of open up my money, like energy, yeah, you know, then, um, then that naturally kind of like comes around to you. Um, well, it's it's not even as um, abstract as the examples you're giving. I mean, I talked to fearful yeah. dentists, and when the co when the pandemic was happening, like there were offices even as th that my friends were working in. Uh, I have a friend who's a hygienist who was working at a place that was banning the use of high of, of ultrasonic instruments as recently as, as like four months ago. 
So imagine like you're physically taking away the tools. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not even abstract how you believe in your feelings about money. Like you, you physically shut down the tools that operate your business, you know? So it's, it was a very interesting polarization of mindset. We get to actually see, and there's never been a time in history. We can actually see by, by, by visual example, someone's mindset around COVID. Some people stopped wearing the mask after a year. Some people stopped after 16 months. Some people haven't stopped yet. And so there's never been a physical manifestation of your concern for the the virus yeah. as there was now. Now we can see people literally, you might remark you're driving to work one day and you're seeing somebody walking completely alone on a sidewalk with no one around them within 600 feet and they're wearing a mask, which, you know, is a personal choice, but it does, it's a physical representation of that person's thought process mm-hmm. because most of us would know that we'd be more inclined to wear a mask in crowded places and less when we're alone or maybe... Yeah. So it, it was a polarization of the mindsets too. It's like literally that was such a gut punch for people. The, the yeah, I feel like up. you have more, even more stuff to tell to, to uh, on your sheet in front of you there. Let's oh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. This so is like- so that, that, one, that one was a huge takeaway, right? Like I, I mentioned the chasm. One of those big ones that caused that was ability to retain patients, right? Like mm-hmm. are your patients consistently staying with you? And then calling back to the beginning, you know, some of those leading indicators for that are every single day, are we reappointing patients back into hygiene? And then the big picture one as well, that there was a, a you know, a significant um, number change here worth noting was what we call pre-appointment. So essentially of all of your active patients, how many of those are pre-appointed? And I think it's worth calling out that um, all of these um, had big change, but in the, in the top 10%, actually, let me, let me pull up the number. So it's right here in front of me. So on pre-appointment percentage, um, specifically, I'm just noting with hygiene. So all of our active hygiene patients, um, what's interesting here is everyone took a hit um, this last year, which kind of makes sense in the sense that when everything got shut down, we had a crap ton of patients that all fell off the schedule. And the only way to get them back is from just like brute force labor, right? Like calling them, texting them, emailing them and creating a new appointment on the schedule. So that was painful. Mm -hmm. So the top 10% dropped from an average of 77% of their patients um, appointed to come back down to 70%. Um, but then the bottom 10% went from about 44% down to 30%. So a huge, so huge bigger drop, drop. A much so bigger the drop. the best got slightly, they took a 7% hit. Mm-hmm. The bottom took a 12% hit, right? What is ideal like, for you, Stephen? Do you, do you like, see what, a corresponding, sorry, Peter, to cut you. Do you see a corresponding drop in that same percentage of revenue? Yes. That, yeah. Is yeah, it exactly? Exactly. Is it exactly statistically? So it would be. And then, sep- and then here, just so that everyone understands some like. Sorry, Stephen. Is, is that you see that corresponding percentage of revenue seven points down on your reappointment rate? Is it seven percent in loss in top line yes. revenue? Yeah. Twelve percent down. Yeah. Both both pre-appointment and reappointment have direct correlation Jeez. with practice revenue. Can right? you believe so, that? So if, so if you've got nothing left from to no more brain power or no more execution power left in your, your practice, the only thing you should work on is your reappointment rate. That's it. Yeah. And then the problem what is, do you is think how do you, is, how do you figure that out? What do you think is an excellent reappointment rate? Let's say, you know, cause we got gunners that listen to this pod. Like, so where would you say, if you were a practice owner, Stephen, and you're like, look at this number, I'm good. Cause it's not going to be a hundred percent. Right. So no, have, have them pull up yours and mine right now. <laughs> well, 90, 91%. Do you want me to? Do you want me yeah. To pull why not? Yeah. Pull it up. Be a big I'll like gut up. punch. We can always edit it out, Peter. No, Craig, well, you're we'll at 42%. Only, we will only edit it if I'm, if I'm secondary to you, we will yeah. definitely keep it when, when, when I'm uh, superior. Yeah. 
or you could just edit what he says to like just edit the whole video that you're on top yeah you just change change the words yeah that's exactly. right <laughs> you know peter well so i'll pull you i'll, I'll pull um this whole last year it'll take me a second but yeah it's, in general nine, 91 percent, 91 92 percent is where you hit that top 10 percent on reappointment and then for for pre-appointment you know you're around 75 percent of your patients pre-appointed to get to that top 10 percent average okay. is around 50 percent 52 percent is the is the number 52 percent is average which which and, that number is crazy right like the average practice only has half their patients scheduled to come back like that's wild to me that you're able to like operate that way. I mean, that means you might have a great marketing. You might have a great marketing budget that you're just backfilling that in. With yeah, all but dentistry as a whole is a, is is no different. Is is very similar to software. Like a lot of our revenues are focused on recurring revenue. That's right. right? Recurring patients, mm-hmm. people coming back. And so you're right when you when you're letting when you're letting half of those people go and be like, I don't know, see if you like us next month or not, you know, like no software company would exist if that was the case. No, right? no. but that's so why plastic surgeons is, 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 is crazy. Right. Um, but that's why plastic surgeons too, Peter, they, they use Botox. They do Botox and all these other adjunctive procedures, because frankly speaking, they're not great money makers, but they right. don't have the ability to the see Mrs. Jones, yeah. you know, every six months. So they keep talking about the Botox, eventually the blepharoplasty or the facelift or whatever else that that's what they have to do. We're just blessed that we have an industry that allows for recurring revenue. That's fascinating. Also another metric. I mean, obviously Craig, you know, we've been, I feel like we beat this, this in over the years, even talking to Wes and, you know, we, we talk about our summits all the time. And that's the, uh, even in our masterminds, we talk about this, this, this metric just because of the data, Stephen, that you've even now fortified, um, mm-hmm. Another thing, and I know you're looking at those numbers for those numbers. Another thing that I get actually on the daily is, um, is, is I call it APPV number, right? The average production per patient visit on yeah. average. And, and you, I think, alluded to that as being the second place one, but that might be, maybe you didn't. You said the doctor's enrolling treatment. But yeah. I think that, that, is a, that is correlated because obviously That's the higher- That's the leading indicator is, into that number, yes, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'd like, you know, I'd like when you pull, when you get our data up and, and, and acknowledge me as the winner that then we can move on to the APP. <laughs> so what's the next uh, statistic? Cause Peter asked that it's, at, so it's, it's hygiene reappointment and then patient acceptance or doctor acceptance rather, or uh, case acceptance. How it, Peter asked the question. I'm, I'm curious to know the answer. Is it a close second or is it above and way above and beyond the, the best single performing data point is that reappointment? We're looking reappointment. for the easy button, Stephen. Yeah, that's what we're I mean, looking for. It's, 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 it's by far is reappointment retention. Is your, okay. is your like okay. plug the you hole in your back door. Don't do anything yeah. else, but plug the hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you keep patience, then you're going to do well as a practice owner. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and then, and then beyond that, then you start tinkering with things to improve your production per visit. Right. Um, but that spread is, we're talking about, you know, on an annual basis, we're talking about several hundred dollars per patient. So, you know, so you can, you can change that number, but that spread's not like, it's not like the annual patient value between the bottom 10% and the top 10% is like $3,000 of a difference, right? Like it's only hundreds of dollars of difference between bottom and top. Where mm-hmm. the biggest differentiator between practices is their ability to retain patients. And, you know, the worst ones are just like cycling through them and they're spending a crap ton of money on marketing. Uh, new patients are less likely to say yes to treatment. They're less course, likely yeah. to be able And we to all love the new patient. 
everybody loves it. Oh, I got four new patients today. No one cares right. about the existing. Patients. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, it's statistically twice, three times as much work, ten times as much work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. you know. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it is crazy. That is the sexy in our in our industry, but yeah. like. It's like, oh, forget about the gold bars that are sitting in my practice. I'd yeah. like to, I'd like to get the ones out in, in public, but then yeah, there's potentially dust covered. I'm going to spend the gold bars I have to try and attract those gold bars. <laughs> and, and, and here's something that's interesting to me. You know, I've traveled quite a bit now in the last four years and I have had a number of doctors bring up to me that they're like, well, but Steve, if I just have the same patients, then I'm going to have, what did they call it? Like clean mouth syndrome or yeah, something? No, like, yeah, well, yeah, no treatment yeah. I'm going to do all the work. No I treatment will have done. like fixed everything. And, and in my opinion, I'm like, do you really believe that like highly of yourself that like your patients are all going to brush their teeth? They're never going to get another cavity. No accidents you know? going like, to happen. Nothing's going to change. No wear. Like that's just unrealistic, right? Like I don't think, I have never seen a practice that has accomplished like, wow, like our patients are so compliant that we never, they never keep getting having issues in their mouth. Like those things just keep arising. Like patients get older, which brings this new set of opportunity within, you know, within the mouth. So that one I've been surprised by. Is that something that doctors talk about? Yeah, I've heard either? that. Yeah. I've like, heard someone say that to me. Well, like, I would buy it. that practice, but they did all the work already. I've yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's like, commonly talked about in an acquisition, Steve, where <laughs> it's like, you know, the phrase is, well, there's really no work to be done, right? Because <laughs> that doctor may have been a unicorn at A, producing, uh-huh. dentistry and, and and enrolling it right and so when you have a unicorn who's doctor who can do like cosmetics and implants and stuff like that sure. it's like they've probably had that conversation and quote unquote there's not much dentistry to be done mm-hmm. is is the issue but i i see where you're coming from as well <laughs> from the like i don't think that being the case when you have three thousand actives and something's bound to happen and and, and that might be maybe like I can see on the cosmetic side, right? Because in general, like you're not going to go like redo all the crowns, right. you know, often, hopefully ever, yeah. as long as they're your patient, you know, maybe, maybe 15, 20 years down the road. I, I could see that, but like, I don't know. My guess is that you haven't done full mouth restorations on all 3000 of your active patients, right? Like there's, well, also, there's-, there's holes in certain business models too, Steven. It's like, there's certain practices that exist as like just purely cosmetic, like you said, are, or all on four type practices. And they don't really have hygiene programs. They might mm-hmm. be doing five, six, seven million in top line revenue, but have one hygienist. So it's not the, the practice is built differently. It's not built to have recurring revenue. So, so Craig, I was trying to, coming back to your guys's numbers i was trying to pull all of last year and it like took me a second where i'm like why is this taking a little while to load and i forgot that craig's practice is probably one of the largest practices in the u.s in terms of like data okay, can i take that as a win then is that peter no, like, no 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 like but my, like, but, but my yeah. reappointment rates at 31 percent i'm assuming i'm assuming listeners know that craig runs like a monster dental oh practice. yeah yeah he'll, he'll tell everybody on every podcast don't what are you worry. talking like, about i'm not the one who wants first place here i don't want to how many this. craig if, if you if you were to break out your practice into like a like an average multi-location group what do you consider yourself 10 13 how many locations do you call yourself if you were to do oh, it that i don't way? know yeah 10 10 or 12 10 or so i don't know if you take at, yeah maybe i don't know eight I, I have no idea peter could probably answer that better so you're I have no idea. <laughs> Let's see. And I'm going to, I'm going to switch just so we're like apples to apples. We're just going to look at last month for both of you. Just in uh, not last month. We can't do last month. We have to yeah, do like we can a, do any month. No, I'm doing up. just, I'm just doing the most recent. Peter, month, how are you like flexing on me like that? Current Steven. performance. Okay. We can't look too deep in the past, Uncle Rico. So um, we were, Craig, you were at 88% last month on hygiene reappointments. So you're just like flirting with top 10%. 
And then, uh, and then Atlanta Dental Spa, you guys were at uh, 82%. And I'm just looking at Atlanta Dental Spa, just one location. Oh, wow. Oh, just so one location? To, no, but so we have to. No, 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 no. There's no qualifies. You have to edit the shit out of this podcast right now. No, so no, no. Let's I'll take break it. for a it's second. It's only one location, though. You okay, can't pull up another one. Pull up another one. Let's do another one. Do you want me to look at another yes, one? Yes, let's I do another one. Let's go full, full attack mode. Uh, remind me, remind me, Peter, one of the other locations you got. Um, which one did you look up? I looked up Atlanta Dental Spa, the one I was looking at. Yeah, oh, so all the conglomerate locations. Is it? Is that yeah, I guess it's run under one? one account because it is yeah, one it database. Is. So yeah, that was just it. the last month. Okay. That's where, yeah, right. just hygiene. Okay. Then I will conceal above average. average. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I concede then. All right, I was I was wrong. I was off. Um, okay. now, close. You're only six points behind me. <laughs> it's around hey, there. That means I'm. That means I'm a first place loser, right? Hey, so no, 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 I'm, I'm not in the top percent. I'm at eighty-eight percent. You need to be ninety-one uh, to be top ten percent. Right, Which so I know, my I know people, you. there's going to be heads rolling after this pot. I got to go, guys. I got to, can we end right now? I'm just going to go screen at everybody. What are you I know, doing? I know, because I've looked at both of your practices in the past. I know both of you have been in that top 10%. So remember, listeners, just looking at last month, it was June. So maybe, you know, people. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not going to say, I got to say something in my defense. Yes. Our patients are seasonal. So at this time, when they leave, they can't make their points because they don't know when they're coming back. We have like 20, probably 35% of our practice that's completely does not live here during the summer. So uh, all the May, June, yeah, if you pull up like our, our November one, we're going to be at like 99.975%. I, I, I'm sure. <laughs> Peter, same with you, right? Seasonal? In no, no, yeah. no. I just, I have no excuse. I'm going to take my L and move on down the road. <laughs> cool. Well, um, you know, that one, that one, I'll just call this out again. I think the reason uh, why that one's so important, by the way, that reappointment is because it snowballs over time, right? Like if we started with a thousand patients in this six month segment, because we're seeing all our hygiene in that six month segment, if, if it's call it a thousand to make it simple, if we only reappoint 80% of them, that means 200 of those patients need to get called, text to get rescheduled back. And any yeah. of them, we don't get in recare. Typically recare is about, you get between like 20 to 30% of whoever you didn't um, schedule to come back to like get rescheduled. So like that just snowballs over time or it gets worse and worse and you end up losing the patients. So big number. Um, That's crazy. Let's come back to the report and let me highlight another one that I think was interesting in like what differentiated these practices and maybe, you know, why could the Wall Street Journal say, hey, spending in dentistry is down 11%, but like a Craig Spodak, a Peter Bolden, like you guys are like, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. Like we're not down 11% year over year in our numbers, right? Um, here's one that's interesting. Um, Top 10% and bottom 10% have always been differentiated. Another one is by their same day uh, treatment acceptance percentage, meaning they're getting work done today that they diagnosed, right? So they're not like scheduling and waiting for the future. Um, both the bottom 10% and the top 10% when COVID hit started doing more same day treatment, okay? So before, before the pandemic hit everything, top 10% were doing about 41% of their production was happening same day. Uh, they weren't waiting for the future. You see increased case acceptance because of that, a lot of things. They jumped to 48% same day um, treatment acceptance. Bottom 10% was only doing 5% before COVID hit. Wow. Right? So a huge gap there in performance, 41% down to 5%. So that was already a differentiator. 
Um, but what's interesting though, is that the bottom 10%, I think out of like necessity jumped up to 15%. So still not like high enough to make like a big enough difference in their production, but they were like, crap, like we need to get some work done. So they, they jumped up to about 15% of their work. They were completing same day. So I'm interested to see like if that stays consistent or if that starts to slide back down for those practices so far, they've been staying pretty much the same all through 20, 2021 at least. And then we produce numbers at the end of every year. Um, so we'll see if that holds through 2022. But that's another one that's interesting is where same-day treatment went up for top 10% has kind of stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the bottom 10% of practices, they, didn't, they haven't like jumped enough for really, really for that to make a difference. Are you guys working on anything like workplace satisfaction or do you have an ability to import as another variable like reviews into these um, algorithms so you could see like top performing reviews? Like an NPS satisfaction? score? Yeah, because I think it's fast. Yeah, what, I'm, what I'm imagining is these low performing doctors, it's, it's like we always say, it's psychology and skill set and 80% mm-hmm. of psychology. It's got to be your mentality. So it's like, well, I don't think we should do it, you know, today, or it's just this, every, we're all our own worst enemies. And I just wonder if it's, you can put into these variables as well, the NPS net promoter score of how your team feels about you, how the community feels about you. Cause I mm-hmm. bet you these people are not doing well on those either. Mm-hmm. So not only are you not successful financially, but I bet you're not being, you're running successful businesses. That's my, that would be my expectation. Do you have anything way to, to put that into the variable there? I feel like you have like the dental matrix at your fingertips there. I'd love to see <laughs> it's all like zeros and ones. You're like Neo of, of dentistry. That's one of the things that, you know, talk, going to the beginning, talking about consolidation, that's one of the places where we have been partnering on. So like inside Modento, we're partnered with Swell, um, which handles a lot of the reviews management and stuff like that. Um, but no, we we haven't like paired the reviews data along with practice management. But you should. That'd be so would be, powerful for the industry. One of the things that we are working on where, you know, maybe we might be able to do this as like the next step to this. Um, we've never really been able to give the industry like live data, like what's going on now. We, we've used some of that internally. Like we always want to understand, for example, like that number, Wall Street Journal says, hey, it's down 11%. That could mean a lot for us as a software company, right? Like that could mean you know, cancellations, that could be, you know, buyers maybe aren't going to be interested in buying if there's not as much money there for software, they might scale back. And so we need to be on top of that stuff. And so luckily, we're able to look and see, okay, like what's actually happening with our practices and production. And um, we're feeling pretty confident moving into this, you know, into this, you know, potential recessionary era that we're in now, this this bear market. How Um, many practices exist? Like you you guys know your... If you don't mind, let him just finish this. I wanted to hear, because you feel really confident going into this recessionary era with what? I want you to just complete that. Because oh, with, 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 our, with our software business, meaning. You, so yeah. you, you obviously are bullish on the dental industry, because if the dental industry took not only 11%, but then a 20 and 30% hit, your software sales would, would um, sack, suffer as well. Yes, so, it would. So, so what how are you feeling why what is leading to your level of confidence going into what everybody thinks is going to be a a bear market so some of the things that we've done i mean this is more just like business stuff i don't know if the the, the it's relevant for us but it's relevant for us um, because it paints the picture of dentistry yeah i mean a lot of that has had to do with you know the way that we've positioned ourselves so the fact that we have consolidated solutions we've got some cost efficiencies that have been helpful like in the past if someone were going to buy the analytic solution for example is 450 bucks a month before that was a net new spend on top of everything else they had. 
where now if someone's, you know, using Modento and online scheduling, you know, those things are 300 bucks. And then all of a sudden now just to add analytics is only a couple hundred bucks more on top of that. Right. So there's like the pricing of how we fit within a dental practice is, is a little more interesting now from a yeah. pricing perspective, that's been really helpful. And then um, we've been investing, you know, uh, millions of dollars into our DSO um, enterprise product. And um, we've got some really cool stuff coming out here over the next couple of quarters um, that we think will position us uniquely as well. So one of the things that I will share, uh, do you guys follow, you know, Brian Cleo over at Dicoma much? He's been sharing some interesting data around kind of this accelerated growth of practice consolidation. So just a couple of years ago, people were saying, you know, practice consolidation was around like 18, 19, 20%, just back in like 2019. Right. And in the spring of this year, though, Brian got up and shared that we were between 32 and 34% now. So about a third of dental practices have been consolidated into a small emerging or large DSO. That's fast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and probably has something to do with the fact that I mentioned earlier of these low performing practices Docs who are like, man, I, 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 this isn't working for me. I'm yeah. not making enough. COVID accelerated that for sure. So I'm sure there was some acceleration there of performance. Like, hey, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. So they, they, you know, they sell off to these DSOs, and then you know, potentially some earlier retirees seeing higher multiples. There's a category there. People with like five to ten years, where we're seeing some increase in some sales as well, where they're like, hey, I'm just going to sell, take advantage of what I think is a potentially high multiple on my individual practice. And then maybe read some rewards as some of these private equity groups go to sell in the next five to 10, right? So I think there's some interesting stuff happening there. Um, so we've positioned ourselves really well for that space as that continues to grow. And we're seeing some really good, you know, sales engagement and, uh, mm-hmm. and software engagement with those with groups. So I, those are the reasons why we feel confident moving into, you know, this kind of recessionary period, knowing that if um, practices are hit, it's going to start with this lower group. They're going to get consolidated into DSOs. We're a good fit there. So kind of on either end, top performing practices will continue to use us because performance is going to stay steady or grow. And then with the DSO consolidation, we're positioned well. So, Got it. I'd love to know, Peter, you have a question that's outstanding that I interrupted. Um, and I don't want that to be forgotten. It was kind of addressed. Honestly, I was asking, like, what's the total addressable market for for dental intel right now? If there's been yeah, consolidation, cool. right, the more the industry consolidated, there's there's less mom and pop practices that will use it the practice on a standalone so mm-hmm. so i was just asking like okay so you guys have eight thousand users essentially yeah. practices i wonder how many practices there are in the u.s you know you find and i know you would yeah. know that number way yeah. better than yeah, us. i've got some numbers if you want me to just spur yeah, off the top of my head so so bureau of labor statistics they suggest that there are about a hundred thousand dental practices okay um but somewhere to the tune of like 160 to 180,000 dentists, right? Because you've got multiple dentists in every right. practice on average. So that's where Bureau of Labor Statistics is. You find some other stuff, you know, ADA, Marco over there is publishing some things suggesting that might be a little higher, you know, mm-hmm. maybe between 120 to 140,000 de- physical dental practices. Um, but if we just go with Bureau of Labor Statistics, 100,000 practices, that's not like, that's a big number, but it's also not that big of a number, you know? So if we're at 8,000, um, you know, creeping up on, it's like 86 something creeping up on that 10,000. We're already about 10%, 10% of, the market, of the market, addressable you know? market. Yeah. And, um, and then of that, you know, how much is DSO, how much is not. So there's some interesting, you know, we'll see how that plays out on the, on the practice management side of software side of things. You've got um, Dentrix, I think who claims on their website, like 50,000 Eaglesoft is claiming, I think like 36,000 and then open dental is claiming like 14,000 on their website, you know, so you start to add all those up and that gets you pretty close 
you know, you know, between 70 to 80% of that market, they're claiming that they own from a practice management side of things, which we integrate with. So um, have, have but, you guys seen a slowdown yet, Stephen? Um, you know, that would corroborate that Wall Street Journal statistic, because frankly speaking, you guys have a data set that mm-hmm. I think is super, I mean, what is the ADA's data set? It's reported. Yeah, you know, hey, Dennis, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I think I'm making a million. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah, you're ADA's, yeah, it's all polling. Yeah. yeah, it's all polling. And if you ask dentists how they're doing, Peter, you and I know this. How are you? Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. My, my reappointment, it's 99%. I, so you have what I believe that the ultimate data set. So are you, can you corroborate what the Wall Street Journal is saying? And if so, if not, then where did they get their data from? Yeah. So, so, so far, feeling. Yeah. So That's far, no. So far, no, we can't cooperate. We're not seeing a drop. So then it's not, then wouldn't you say, Peter, um, they're 100%. It, I, I, I like where you're tracking, right? The way that like, for instance, we'll zoom out in a second and talk about it from a recession in the economy, right? The best data set would be the one from American Express and consumer spending and things right. like that, like to, to be the big canary in the coal mine for like, are we about yeah. to hit something bad? So the extrapolation, the analog to dentistry would be what, what, what you're Dental talking intel. about with Steve. Yeah. Yeah. They and have the, the intel. That, so how would the Wall Street Journal calling up random dentists? You feel like yeah. it's sort of, yeah, it definitely feels We slow. are polling to see how you're feeling right now. Well, that's what the ADA yeah. is doing. How did you do last year? No one, every dentist I've ever asked their numbers. How did you do last year? It's always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, one, one thing that's worth noting, uh, an internal discussion we've had over the last week is, you know, there is potential that our data set, you know, you think about the type of practice owner that is going to be attracted to using, you know, our core product analytics right. is right. not going to be in general, your mm-hmm. average dentist, right? So when you well, then, then at- again, the person listening to this podcast, Steve, Stephen, these are the people that are like actively trying to get better. You right. consume exactly. content, you buy additional software, you reinvest in your business. That's what this is. Whether you're just driving your car, listening, you're investing in mm-hmm. your business. Yeah. Your, you know, so, mm-hmm. so there's a potential anyway. that maybe, you know, maybe like I mentioned before, it seems to be this pattern of we're, we're seeing this chasm happen between top practices and bottom practices, maybe the ones that are attracted to using our software, you know, we're, we're more heavily weighted on the higher end that are, that are interested in what we're using. Um, and this is actually something we're working on right now. So we've never like mapped out, you know, if we're like a bell curve of our customers, like, are we heavily weighted on the, on the higher end? Or do we have like a pretty standard bell curve where, you know, the average practice is all, do you understand what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. statistics curves Our our expectation is when we finish this analysis. And if you guys want, I'll, I'll share with you, like our, our, our customers weighted on the, on the higher end of practices. Well, what a great sales end. pitch for you guys. So the average dental intelligence consumer does this well. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, frankly speaking, I was P- Peter. We were we were friendly when you when you got dental intelligence. I referred Peter into it, and the minute he saw his numbers, he got really obsessive. He saw some of my numbers. He saw some of his, and within like six months, he was like like beating me on everything. Like you know, once you got the data, you made you took action on it because um, it's really hard to put that together. But it would be I, I remember that COVID um, report that you did that was such like the state of the industry report. Are you doing, part of my ignorance, but are you guys doing that type of reporting on a regular basis? Um, oh, that's, that's one of the things. Oh, I was getting there. So we are currently just finishing up a project. It's, it's called our Data Lakes project. So in the past, and this may be too nerdy, but in the past, I'll keep it simple. In the past, in order for us to get industry data, we had to go query our like 
patient-facing database. So there are risks involved with that. Like we could like technically like put a strain on customer experience where if we're like constantly tapping into that, then it might take you longer, Craig, to load your data in Dental Intel. So we didn't want to have that happen. So we needed like a way to mirror all of our patient, you know, our practice-facing data, but be able to like mess with it ourselves. And so we're just about done with that project. Um, and once that's completed, then we'll be able to have live access to all industry data. And then we can start giving wow. you know, guys like you or industry partners access to, hey, here's exactly what's going on. Here are trends. You know, Marco over there. Maybe an AI like, company. Hey, like, like hook me up. I want to see that, you know. Oh, that'd be so cool to see that. Um, so we'll, yeah, the ADA should cool consult coming from us really soon where we want to understand some of that stuff. Like, hey, like what's going on? What's Marco finding from ADA and the Health Policy Institute? What are we seeing? And start to combine some of that and create some some live industry feeds, basically. So yeah, I mean, we're doing we're we're doing the same thing, like compiling our mastermind data right now. So like we mm-hmm. are taking the numbers that people produced over the year prior to mastermind. And the statistical increase of just being in one year of mastermind is like mind boggling. Like we have yeah. people that are literally doubling the revenue just being in the mastermind. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, we're just querying that data right now because it's been the complete the completion of our last, second mastermind is, is completing right now. Um, so, but that that's super cool. I think it's super cool. I mean, those who that do that work and invest in themselves reap the rewards. It's that mm-hmm. simple. I agree. And then I'll add, uh, we always share, you know, Wes and share this, when performance is measured, performance improves. I'm a huge believer in that, Yeah. right? And that's any, anything in our life, right? Like I'm a big endurance racer. And so I've been measuring like heart, I've been trying to work on my speed for my running. And I've watched as that's, I've gotten faster and faster and faster. Like I never thought last year, my goal was, hey, I want to run a like sub six minute mile and I hit it right at the end of the year. And then now all of a sudden I'm playing around with the sub five minute. Like I watched some Nick Bear videos. I saw that dude run a sub five minute mile. And I'm like, I want to go do that. And so now I'm like flirting with it. And I think the same thing plays over in practice management. I've seen it time and time again, when performance is measured, performance improves. So I think a good reminder of the audience. We're a big advocate to that. I mean, we talk about, you know, that's Pearson's law, right? Yep. I mean, essentially that it, it's, uh, it's so true. I mean, Craig even gives us an example, like, look, just track your weight. And inherently, yeah, you if you have weight. a scale, the, 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 yeah. there's a study that shows if you own a scale, you're likely, and you have well, it you like in your bathroom. You use it every day, Craig. No, Not even if you own a scale. Even if you own a scale, you're like you're less likely to be mm, open. Like you, you just no way. Yeah, I mean, well, if you if definitely if you use a scale every day, I mean, obviously you'll see the micro trends. You won't wait till you're like can't fit into your pants. You'll see the two three mm-hmm. pounds there in a deck. But I like how out. you you look. I think sometimes you can measure anything you want, right? And 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 way, let's come full circle with this pod. Yeah. That sometimes you can get into the minutia and you and you end up being like, oh, it's too complex. Don't you know? But if if there's a takeaway from this, it's like, hey, here's a couple things that you should do if you're not doing it now, whether you're using the software or not, because you could actually figure out some of the stuff you talked about without that Intel. It might yeah, take you a sure. little while, but you can do it. You can mm-hmm. harvest this data yourself. So. I think a good takeaway is, is, you know, start with a couple. If you're doing nothing, start with a couple and just watch how it happens. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always proclaim to Craig that I look at like five on a daily basis and that's about it. Yeah. Right. Once one of those gets skewed, then I dig in because that's kind of the canary in the coal mine for me about what something may, may be a tell. Um, but in general, like once you get, once you get kind of rolling, I think there's a few that you can look at that kind of keep you on track. Yep. But you got to be doing something and, and to what, to that, which is measured is improved. So yep. I got some just, improvement to make to beat Craig, apparently. Just kind of um, coming for a circle on that mastermind too, you know, the statistical data 
Um, it's impressive, but uh, I, Peter, I just I wanted to mention to you, we still have a couple spots open on the mastermind. So um, selfish plug there. Uh, we have a handful of spots at bulletproof mastermind.com that's bulletproof mastermind.com couple spots it's a one-year commitment it's awesome it's basically three different masterminds in one one of the things i love about dental intel is that you guys pair the statistics of how a doctor does with a and b and c hygienist and a and b and c treatment coordinator and what i think a missing area in our dental practice industry is that we don't have you know the performance together as teams because not just some rogue high performing doctor some rogue high performing hygienist where the rubber meets the road in a truly successful environment is a team approach and that's what the mastermind is it's a hygiene mastermind it's a doctor mastermind and an office manager mastermind all working separately but simultaneously on fixing the practice that's why we're getting the results that we're getting and um, um, it's just kind of feels like the same thing that you guys are doing with your software and your approach so it's really it's really yeah ultimately the the lift shouldn't come from one person i.e the owner right nothing ever happens when when the the doctor says well i'm going to fix this myself like you give up but when you have the team rowing the boat with you, yeah. it, it, like that, hi, that, that, re, that hygiene, re, uh, that reappointment rate, I have no idea if you're going to say 62 or 92. <laughs> I had no idea, you know, just that's that, but that's the benefit of having a team. You don't have to be the nucleus of everything that goes on in your practice. You just set the standard <laughs> and get out of the way. Steve, I enjoyed our time today. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Like I mean, when you it's, really it's awesome in. to get updated data. I know, you know, actually was, I shared with Craig prior to coming on. I was like, man, we've, We've had a lot of dental intel like discussions. I'm I'm hoping for some new some new stuff, new this intel. Is new. No, no pun intended. Hopefully I gave some but, good uh, seven, but you did it, man. It yes, was awesome. you did, man. Awesome. Yes, you did. I want to get. I want this. I'd love to have the quarterly update of the dental profession from Steve. You know, the, the AI, the AI uh, stuff of uh, dental industry. Yeah, you will see it. So the minute you start seeing that consistent dip down, let us know. It's I'll like share. we don't have to. We sure. don't have to wait like the consumer, uh, the uh, CPI that they only report it quarterly, and they're waiting That's two right. consistent yeah, quarters. Now we could have like four consistent weeks or six consistent weeks of downturn. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, I will for sure. All right, Steve. Thanks again for your time today, buddy, and uh, we'll see everybody next time. Yeah.